I have a moral quandary for you. No, you don't. Yes, it no, is. It's called from your <laughs> life. And I feel... Your, your life is charmed. How could you have any qualms? No quandaries <laughs> Well, exactly. You. It's a first world problem. And I feel... Um, and I want to elicit a, a response from you and from the listening public because I know my friends don't listen to this podcast. So I, I, I'm free I, to I'm pretty sure they do. It. I feel like no. This is this is putting pl- public pressure on them. You're hoping you get they get doxxed. <laughs> you're like you're using your platform for your own petty reasons. No. So the circumstance was I pet sit for a little dog, um, a delightful mm-hmm. little dog, even though he's got a few challenges. Uh, while my friends were away on vacation, and mm-hmm. I've done this before them before, and in the past they've um, generously given me a, a Starbucks gift card, Amazon gift card, um, but this time they have not given me a gift yet. A week has passed and I have not received a gift. <laughs> And if we can, I'm just going to stick the Kirby Enthusiasm music over the bed. I feel I'm entitled to a gift. (laughs) Craig, you fucking asshole. (laughs) Why don't I get a gift? Larry. (laughs) So, John, what what do you think is the correct response here? Um, Should I demand it? (laughs) I can't do that. What would? Because I mean, obviously, obviously, I would watch the dog for free. Well, you know, in our in our curb enth- enthusiasm analog here, I would be JB Smooth, so I would just be like cool <laughs> and nonchalant about the whole thing. So I don't know if I can give you the proper advice. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I feel closest to Jeff Garland and <laughs> do something terribly depraved. But anyway, I don't know what to tell you, Greg. I I just think okay. it's it's so wrong that you you hold them hostage by putting it out there in the public. But what do you mean? Put it, hold them hostage by putting in the public. Obviously, I haven't, I haven't used any names. I've even told you what the dog's name was. I guess, I guess, but it's. Or is. I, I feel like you're holding them. He's still with us. It is the dog is still alive? <laughs> only because I am such a good caregiver. Okay, got it. <laughs> Treated him like a king. <laughs> oh no! I just, I just revealed that the dog is a he. Oh, that, no. that really, yeah, that really knows the it internet. Down. I apologize. Slu- <laughs> the internet sleuths will put this all together. Yes. Like figuring out how much uh, the or uh, what's what's that that uh, senator's name, the one from New York, who has a cheap jacket <laughs> or an expensive jacket. Oh. The internet doesn't know. <laughs> oh, th- that's a great transition. Yeah, into the news peg. Um, oh, the news. <laughs> yes, it's John. You're speaking of Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, mm-hmm. the young upstart uh, congresswoman yes. who uh, defeated Joe Crowley earlier in the Democratic primary at a district in in and around Queens and Brooklyn and just uh, eastern New York City. Um, she defeated the longtime Democrat uh, incumbent and is now uh, d- spreading a socialist message. Um, ooh, social, oh, scary. Progressive, Greg. It's a progressive message, which That's is true. just as bad and evil. <laughs> <laughs> but now she's in Congress, and yes, uh, in perhaps uh, one of the greatest uh, online meltdowns ever. <laughs> um, some creep conservative reporter, I don't know, he's, his name, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he... Uh, received a picture either he took it himself or received a picture of uh alexandria ocasio cortez just walking down the hallways of congress and somebody commented because uh she is a socialist she's obviously not entitled to anything um, <laughs> how dare so, she wear a jacket <laughs> yeah so the, the what he commented on based on this picture is like oh she espouses socialism yet she has the gall to wear clothes that are worth <laughs> over four dollars unbelievable <laughs> 
<laughs> well, the other comment, the 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 other uh, context of the comment was that she was saying that she couldn't afford an apartment in D.C. yet until her salary kicks in, and the joke is like, oh, which is about three yeah. months from now. Which, depending on how you look at it, depending on your where you are on the political spectrum, it's like, oh, young people they can't afford anything, and then or oh, young people they're so entitled, they probably just don't know how to manage their money. <laughs> <laughs> or it could also speak to how unaffordable the District of Columbia is, but no, we can't. That obviously can't be the case. Well, if she could afford a place in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was a bartender last year <laughs> to supplement her law school, to pay off her law school loans. <laughs> and look where she is now. How entitled. Yeah. She thinks yes. she has any right to well, I, say exactly anything this. of any authority. How dare yeah. she? How dare she? These if nasty anything, women. Yeah. These nasty women. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, she seems to be representing, I think, the best district right now because um, her district uh, in Queens has now been blessed with a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful new benevolence coming down from on high. <laughs> yes, it's our it's our corporate overload, Amazon, who has blessed us with a new headquarters so that, I don't know, a I don't know, some dickhead on, in the Bronx can get his, uh, I don't know, running shoes <laughs> faster. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Within Bezos. 24 hours. Thank you yes. for our $8 an hour minimum wage jobs. Yes. Where we have to <laughs> yeah. forego bathroom breaks in order to keep them. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Exactly. We should pay you for the jobs. <laughs> we should pay you for the privilege of working in an Amazon warehouse where every, every step is monitored. Mm. <laughs> and you get admonished or yelled at for... <laughs> Literally out of the going to the bathroom. See, I don't, like do you, we we both live in Southern California. You live in uh, Los Angeles. I live in San Diego. Now, did they make a big push for this whole second headquarters thing? I, I, oh, every city did. Ugh. It's because every every elected representative is a goddamn goon <laughs> <laughs> who who's, thinks their sole purpose is to just court money to court money from these fucking lizard people like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> See, I was like, hey, my hey, my constituents can't afford anything. Well, clearly, it's the job. It's clearly this corollary of like we need capitalism and businesses to live a better life. It's not like I have the power to make people's lives better. No, I have to defer to businesses to do that. We can't afford to pay for schools or road construction, but oh, when a big business comes in with jobs, uh, yeah, billions of dollars in tax breaks. That that exactly, they'll out. make the roads. Amazon <laughs> will make the roads until we're all until we're eating Amazon meals. And living in Amazon houses, and we become Amazon citizens. <laughs> oh, it's almost like this ties directly into the movie we watched this week. <sighs> yes, Segway we're talking accomplished. <laughs> yes, we're talking about the Princess Bride to uh, pour it out for. Oh, <laughs> pour it out for the late great William Goldman. No, we'll we'll speak to him. I think later yeah, in spotlight. Exactly. Um, We'll end with a proper tribute to him, one of the greatest uh, screenwriters ever. Wait, when are we gonna fit in Stan Lee? We got to talk about Stan Lee as well, right? Oh, uh, that's true. And now it's, I mean, his. <laughs> John, this is a movie podcast, not a comic book podcast. So. Okay, fine. Um, despite his contributions, maybe to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I, I feel like uh, we we we'd be better served and better serving our listeners if we tie them to uh, William Goldman, a personality they may not know. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously everybody knows who Stan Lee is. I mean, we've seen his face on eighteen gazillion Marvel movies, so. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Once you get into the Princess Bride cinematic universe, you get some deep cuts and some awesome exactly. Easter eggs. Yeah. I, if, when you watch Marathon Man and you see those little <laughs> you see those little nods to the Princess Bride, I mean, it just makes the, the viewing experience so much, more, so much more worthwhile. Yes, so much richer. So much richer. So much yeah. texture. Mm-hmm. But no, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Back on track. Because today we decided to rewatch 
1987 classic, RoboCop. Wait, 87? No! <laughs> I know. You were you were was... waiting for the 30-year anniversary, and sadly you missed it. <laughs> no, I, I rewatched the, the classic 2014 remake. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah, starring Charlie Humon. No, not Charlie Humon. Um... <laughs> Joel Ketterman? <laughs> yeah. You know, legendary no, actor Joel Ketter- Ketterman? No, it, it was Jai Courtney. <laughs> no. No, it was some other faceless white guy that Hollywood tries to convince you is a movie star. Yeah. I will say, both these movies are prescient in that, uh, basically, the 1987 version of Robocop has presaged our terrible corporate dystopia we live in, mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas the 2014 remake uh, presaged Samuel Jackson's of Capital One commercials, where he's just uh, roaming around a green screen environment, <laughs> talking to people through ca- talking to people in camera. Mm-hmm. Hey, talking directly to the cameras. Hey, say this about the 2014 version. Everyone got paid. Okay, Michael Keaton, Gary Oldman, <laughs> they rolled That's in, true. got their paycheck, and got out. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, director Jose Padilla, I believe his name Yes, is? yeah. Oh, oh, so you remember yeah. the director, but you don't know the star? Come on. I've, exactly, John. He, he, he did Elite Squad. He needs more work. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of Narcos, apparently. I'm on his IMDb page. Look at this. Uh, yeah. yeah. A lot of Narcos. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's yeah. not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about yes. Robocop. We're back on our 80s movies kick, which, John, you and I are not children of the 80s. We're children of the 90s, so mm-hmm. we've missed a lot of these 80s movies. What have we recently revisited? Predator. Escape from New uh, York. The Goonies we did last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we're fi- we're finally getting back to 80s classics, I guess. So, you know, obviously we've been dismissive of a lot of these movies. And I'm delighted to say that's not the case for RoboCop, because this movie fucking rips. <laughs> this <laughs> movie Robocop fucking is awesome. rocks. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yes. Now, Greg, but, like, there's so many great elements to it. Why does it rule so much? Well, because... Through much of the 80s, people were high on cocaine and wine coolers, so mm-hmm. they, couldn't, they couldn't surmise a lot. However, this movie has got something to say, <laughs> and I think that's what makes this movie so much richer than, let's compare this to Predator, which came out the exact same year. That movie, very insulated to just what's going on at the jungle. Mm-hmm. And you could say, like, oh, it's analogous to Vietnam, but again, very, very subtle, and you're you're kind of the one projecting that that meaning onto the film. Whereas this one, Paul Verhoeven knows exactly what he wants to say. <laughs> uh, screenwriters Ed, New- Ed Neumauer, uh, Neumeyer and um, Mike Miner know exactly what they want to say about the state of corporate America, about the state of the media, and have a little uh, Christ-like imagery in there. And a man reclaiming his identity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you re- despite, the, despite the nature of work and capitalism uh, designing to tear him down, <laughs> he's reclaiming his identity. <laughs> I think what also makes this movie great is that there's no wasted moments, and there are mm. times where it does feel a little cut short, but it's almost like it's so efficient. Like, it, it is so perfectly edited, moment to moment. And <laughs> That's true. And there's so much texture to it, and I, like, this is one of those weird movies that we're revisiting. Not to say that we've never seen it, but we can't remember the last time we actually sat down and watched the whole thing as a complete whole. Because it's like, you can pick out moments and, like, everything kind of, like, is seared in your brain. But there's a lot I forgot about it, like, the little news interludes. Which mm. are so well done. Like how could yeah, how could you forget that? That's how the movie opens and mm. that's when I was immediately drawn in. Um, 
<laughs> well, they're also like perfectly punctuate every single act break. They're so integrated mm-hmm. well. Like they're integrated so well. It's not like you know the camera turns to a TV and it's playing on the TV. It just cuts to it, and it's almost yeah. like it feels like the rest of the movie is just a big long commercial break. <laughs> yeah, I mean it probably helped that you know with the power of technology, you and I are watching this on laptops or our phones, mm-hmm. <laughs> or and casting it to our TV. So it feels like. Again, we're changing the channel to, or just clicking to something else, whereas the transition, I mean, I wouldn't mind a cheesy transition. Um, I will push back, and as we get further into our, our discussion, yes, the movie is uh, is exceptionally edited. However, I feel like uh, there is some room that we could have added just a little bit more nuance in there. Um, and I'll speak to later later in the story, um, particularly uh, RoboCop's uh, extrajudicial activities. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But again, Greg, isn't that the point? We live in a dystopian future where everyone is, where the law enforcement is oppressive. Uh, th- that's true. However, he's still he's still Murphy, as we find. Um, mm-hmm. I guess we should probably get into the plot. Hey, RoboCop! <laughs> There's he's a cop who's a robot. He's part machine, but he's all cop. <laughs> yes, indeed he is. The uh, part man is Alex Murphy, who's been transferred to a rough section of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Again, this movie predicting uh, the dire straits that Detroit would be in following the collapse of American manufacturing mm-hmm. in the in the auto industry, but. He's transferred to this rough neighborhood and um, unfortunately gets shot by a coterie of, of ne'er-do-wells led by Clarence Boddicker. Mm-hmm. Played, by the, played by the dad from That 70s Show. Yes. <laughs> That's what he will always be known for, besides Gail Boddicker. Yeah. Gail Boddicker? Ga- whatever. <laughs> now, what, what I was surprised by is that it's not exclusively focused on RoboCop, and I think that what really adds to the richness of the story is that this is cut between not only this young green cop, but also uh, the boardroom at OCP, mm-hmm. Omni Consumer Products. <laughs> and granted, there aren't a lot of likable characters here, but we do see some corporate intrigue where one wants to do a fully automated police force with this giant robot called the Ed 209. Mm-hmm. Whereas another one wants to make a more personable police force. Um, again, not not out of any altruistic reason. <laughs> uh, he's just he's just trying to get ahead in the corporate world. No, exactly. And also, there's a there's a a great kind of like undercurrent socialistic message about the way that corporations naturally just want to automate everything, including human bodies. Like it's like yes. replacing replacing humans outright is too much. Let's just tear them apart and turn them into cyborgs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the more efficient way to start. Yes. <laughs> So it's like the yeah the philosophical divide between like let's completely replace humans or let's wear humans down using their bodies for our co- corporate gain. Exactly. There's just there's so many great moments. Like for instance, uh, the way he's introduced after his you know body's been blown apart and he's been shot through yeah. the head. Oh, you're you're talking about Alex Murphy. Yeah, Alex Murphy, played by the brilliant Peter Weller. He like. You know, we get the scene where they're trying to revive him and they kind of, like, give up. And then it just, like, slowly transitions completely through Alex Murphy's perspective, him getting transformed mm-hmm. into RoboCop. And we only get, like, little snippets of it as they turn him on, mess with him, and then yep. turn him off again. And we see the passage of time. And there's, like, one great moment where they're rebuilding him and they're discussing, like, well, we were able to save his arm. It's like, no, we want a complete rebuild. Destroy the arm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just there's so much great world building and there's so it's so textured and layered <laughs> even though you're right it's not very nuanced <laughs> mm-hmm. for instance the uh big car like there's this um again going back to like the the role of the media in the that's where it gets kind of the most cartoonish for example yeah. everyone's kind of enamored with this dumb show 
where this squirrely guy is just surrounded by hot supermodels, and you know the <laughs> yeah. laugh line is, "I'd buy that for a dollar." <laughs> yeah, that's its catchphrase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no context or anything like it, but you hear it and you laugh. Exactly. Obviously, the other thing is there's this uh, repeating car commercial. There's this really hot new car. Everyone wants the six thousand mm-hmm. SUX. <laughs> this <Yeah>. sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, my favorite commercial is actually the very first one, and that's the one where I knew immediately I was drawn in. Mm-hmm. Um, after the news report, where they put a smiling face on, like, a wildfire has consumed you know, <laughs> half of California and killed uh, dozens of people. Exactly. Like, but they or, that, or that giant orbital missile uh, laser beam <laughs> accidentally yeah. misfired and killed hundreds of people. <laughs> yeah. So, like, immediately I was drawn in by that, but I loved the first commercial... Mm-hmm. Um, where it's for the the artificial heart transplant. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and it, like immediately, you know what exactly they want to say. This is now a corporatized, completely like literally heartless world mm-hmm. <laughs> that we now live in. And I felt like that was the strongest one. Whereas you're right, the the car is literally called the SUX. Mm-hmm. Um, not not exactly an implicit message there, but you're right. The 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 commercials and the and the world building here and the little exposure like uh the way that robocop is first revealed again we're seeing it from all his his uh point of view mm-hmm. however they're like little snippets you see little glimpses like on the on a monitor or like as he's as he first stands up and walks you see his face on a monitor and mm-hmm. you know all the other cops are enamored with him once he goes to the shooting range and gets unfici- officially unveiled so though that little stuff is great however i did like how it's cut between um this corporate intrigue Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the fact that again like we said there's there's a philosophical tension between like how we gonna how are we gonna exploit our our labor force Um, (laughs) are we gonna get rid of them completely or are we gonna you know rip apart their bodies exactly and then also in the background this is under the the threat of the cops eventually maybe going on strike Yes. Because, the, again, there's so much texture to it. You know, Alex Murphy entered this, you know, dangerous police texture because they keep dying. And, again, they're yeah. not getting the support they need. And then OCP has to come in. Oh, yeah, of course, like, privatize everything. That makes so everything so much better. Sure. Yep. It's starting to roll. He's on. What's the story? We were able to save the left arm. What? I thought we agreed on total body prosthesis. Now lose the arm, okay? Jesus, Morton. Can you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. We're going to blank his memory anyway. Well, I think we should lose the arm. What what do you think, Johnson? Well, he signed the release forms when he joined the force. He's legally dead. We can do pretty much what we want to. Lose the arm. There, there's that touch. There, there's the first like bit of nuance that I wish we could have exposed more, because that, that, the threat of the police strike doesn't really um, come up. No. Until, until much later, and it's kind of treated more as a plot point wherein uh, the criminals, you know, Clarence Boddicker, his, uh, his lackeys like Emil and mm-hmm. Leon, like they, they eventually run wild. That's that's one point that's treated like a like a plot point. Yeah. Um, the other is I wish we'd gotten a little bit more perspective of the cops and how they felt. Um, about this this uh, RoboCop basically coming in and taking taking their gerbs, uh, because <laughs> <laughs> because uh, later everybody's enamored with him uh-huh. like he's an incredible performer. But there should have been a sign like there should have been like conflict like hey wait a minute this guy's going to take our jobs and it would make more sense when later mm-hmm. um, you know jumping way ahead in the story RoboCop essentially gets portrayed um, he's he wants to take down a big corporate overlord instead the the corporate overlord um, whose name is dick jones kind of turns the tables on him and the 
and the police force goes against him. Mm-hmm. That would make a little bit more sense there, but um, that's the first. That's the first kind of like a little bit of nuance that we miss. But otherwise, I mean, for, now we're now we're into a rollicking story here. <laughs> <laughs> we have this great scene where playing by the rule of threes, the uh, <laughs> RoboCop takes out three crims. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or sorry, multiple crims in three in three different scenarios. The first is a convenience store, um, where he clotheslines a guy into the fridge. Uh, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think a normal film would show him uh, actually arresting the perp, but you know we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> Instead, he just takes him out, uh, leaves him in a in a completely uh, decimated convenience store. That's fine. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Police work, Judd done. Like that's. Yes. I think that's other like maybe. The only thing you can really complain about is if you have an automated cop like this, you think he'd be probably have a little bit more oversight. Because, like, the other thing, too, is, you know, uh, the, the big kind of turning point. Well, John, yeah, if there's one thing that corporations love, it's oversight. <laughs> I, yeah, that's true. But it's like, um, I think that was maybe a problem with the 2014 version is the fact that, you know, the, they're so kind of overbearing. It's like he really has no mm-hmm. agency whatsoever, as opposed to this one. He does have agency, but it's also like, it makes OCP look really inept. And that's also kind of the weird thing about the movie. OCP is supposed to be this, you know, exactly omnipresent, horrible corporation, but also they're completely bumbling fools. (laughs) Like the whole joke is the fact that they have this gigantic automated police force with the ed 209 this gigantic robot and it can't even go downstairs <laughs> yeah i think yeah i don't think the point is i don't think the point of that is that they're bumbling fools i think it's the the fact that they are like if a your corporation is not your better for one thing mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean just because amazon can give us packages in two days doesn't mean necessarily have to like praise like lift them on high mm-hmm. <laughs> um the fact that they can provide this service i mean not without exploiting labor yeah um so I don't think that's the point. A, it's to escape certain situations. Like at one point, Robocop does get chased by the Ed Two Hundred Nine, and he has to he has to escape somehow. So mm-hmm. again, it's like um, it's like Star Wars. You know, you look you they overlook a, a little flaw or something like that, and in in view of the larger, uh, more evil picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think there I think there's that, and um, now now I can't remember my original point. Um, <laughs> I oh now I remember. Um, I think it's that, and it's also to demonstrate that they obviously don't value human life. I guess that's also true. I think, yeah, because I think maybe that's the larger theme is the fact that yes, we've corporatized everything, but and mm-hmm. but it's also like shown that for the like what we've lost, or like they don't really care about the details. There's one little news report that really kind of got to me is it's a report about the president go overseeing the new like space satellite. Like, the president's literally in space, and they report, like, they actually lost gravity for 10 minutes. The injuries were were minor, though. Like, this is the president of the United States, and he's in space, and he could have nearly died. And it's like, you know, it's like, oh, well. (laughs) You're right. Maybe Maybe it is to kind of demonstrate a callous attitude towards the details and just overall oversight or something like that. Well, yeah, particularly the... Our introduction to the corporate uh, setting, mm-hmm. <laughs> wherein we're introduced to the Ed 209, and they want to demonstrate by giving some lackey uh, a gun and having the Ed 209 basically arrest him and demonstrating its prowess in, in terms of police informant. Instead, he just shoots him in one of the <laughs> most gratuitously hilarious scenes. <laughs> Well, he's, he, he you know, he he follows the orders, he drops the gun, but the machine doesn't register, and he just blows him away. Yeah. <laughs> Landing perfectly on the model of Delta City, again, showing that, will this company ever succeed? Who knows? <laughs> Idea. <laughs> or maybe it doesn't matter. They all have golden parachutes. Also speaking a little bit to, like, gentrification and basically creating, like, a, a, a corporate society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
uh, tied to business rather than just, you know, rather than more an altruistic uh, government or society <laughs> based on the needs of the people. But anyway, well, well again, it's kind of like briefly touched on. Mm-hmm. Because again, we got story to get to. <laughs> what did you think? Because again, things are things are not. I, I won't say perfunctory, but we got to move quick. Yeah. And one of the great emotional beats of the story is uh, Alex Murphy's partnership with Lewis, mm-hmm. a female cop on the beat, a lot more, uh, a lot grittier, a lot more experienced, and mm-hmm. kind of shows in the ropes a little bit. Exactly. Um, I do think I, I I love her inclusion. I just wish there was maybe just like one more scene with them together because mm. they really don't spend any time together until the third act where she kind of saves him ocp has got robocop on the run he, he has you know obviously he's he's uncovered this corporate level malfeasance and so lewis is the one who saves him and then they take him to an abandoned warehouse and they kind of have a few moments like for instance his uh amy his targeting system's off so she kind of guides him a little mm. bit and you know she's the first person who actually sees him without his helmet for the first time nice little other detail his helmet has literally like property of ocp on it and then that you know it's it's so it's more symbolic when he takes it off and he reveals his face oh so good so many great moments he's taking back his identity john yes (laughs) um from from a corporation that would atomize and degradate him for their own their own corporate profit nefarious um exactly i really appreciated the scene i just wish it was just a little bit longer because it's a nice act break Mm -hmm. it's a nice kind of like slow down till we ramp things up again but you know gail boddicker has to you know find him immediately Immediately. He's got exactly. the tracking system, so I just wish there was like it's Clarence Boddicker for one. Okay, thing. fine, Clarence Boddicker. My uh, why do you keep calling him Gil? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, I just wish that scene was just like a little bit longer. The other thing too is like Robocop's kind of mean to Lewis. He's like, leave me alone. And I don't know if it's I because just... he's just distraught or now he's a robot. He doesn't have human emotions anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think it's because he is a robot and he doesn't quite. He is a robot now, and he's trying to collect these memories, and that's why he can be a bit standoffish and not exactly empathetic, mm-hmm. um, even though Lewis has just saved him. Yeah. And, you know, the, the part, of, part of this grizzled experience as well, I mean, I do, like, I do also love that scene. In terms of hitting emotional beats, my favorite is when he does return home, years have passed since... Uh, as implied by the the brief snippets say, when they're celebrating New Year's mm-hmm. and replacing his arm and all that, that years have passed and um, his widow and his son and her son have uh, since moved on with their lives, mm-hmm. and he uh, just kind of walks through an empty home that's now for sale. Um, <laughs> in another little brilliant touch, the uh, the real estate agent is now like um, basically coming in through Skype instead of uh, being in person. <laughs> exactly, it's like an automated like welcome to this new home. Why don't you take a yeah. virtual tour? <laughs> yeah, but I loved I loved the little cross cutting wherein um, he sees like an empty room and it triggers a, a, a fond memory that uh, was also established earlier when his life is flashing before his eyes as he's um, on the gurney mm-hmm. after being shot by Clarence and his goons. Yes. So it's a, I love that emotional payoff as well. Again, there's there's heart to the movie. Yeah, it's um, a story about reclaiming your humanity. Exactly. So even though we're living in a heartless world, mm-hmm. um, we still find an emotional connection to the story, as, as brief as they are, because mm-hmm. uh, I... I think I wish that the studio gave him a longer running time. It literally just ends. The movie just goes like, <laughs> like it could have used just well, like John, one more wrap up scene, but instead it's just like yeah. climax and then cut yeah. to title. Well, John, before we get there, yeah, I do want to speak about his um, extrajudicial activities <laughs> because we commented earlier he uh, basically takes out a robber who just 
uh, who invades a convenience store mm-hmm. just by leaving him in a broken fridge. He probably does more damage than <laughs> the robber could have ever done, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just leaves him. Uh, he takes uh, he takes out a rapist by shooting him in the penis, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But still, like you know, you think you think there'd be some repercussions for that. Exactly. And then finally, what I the most interesting one. I I don't know. I don't know why they ended on this one when obviously the the guy getting shot in the penis is the stronger uh, strongest situation in this in this instance. Mm-hmm. But uh, the final scene of him being a super super cop is when he takes down a, a hostage. He takes out a hostage, or excuse me, he uh, resolves a hostage situation mm-hmm. by basically throwing a guy out of a window in City Hall, um, a disgruntled employee. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's it's to, to show the heartlessness of it all. The the person who's taken the hostage. Taking the hostages as a former like government employee who's been yeah. kind of like laid off, and obviously he's you know nuts. But I, you know, there's again a certain level of satire there. It's like we've driven our uh, our our public employees mad. <laughs> so, <laughs> and again, heartlessness. He throws them literally through a window. He doesn't try mm-hmm. to arrest him. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, I, I do also. Lo- yeah, and I. Th- obviously think that's intentional because i love the touch when this when he arrives on the scene he just dri- uh robocop just drives through the police tape <laughs> yep exactly he just <laughs> smashes his way through i mean it's all about the sensation so i mean if you stop and think about yeah. it yes obviously it doesn't really make any sense but all the best movies you know keep you from thinking like that you know that you get caught up in the moment like you don't care I, that shooting um a, a scuba tank will cause a shark to explode into a million pieces just, you know you're caught up in the moment you know obviously when i was watching this i wasn't caring like well he's not following police procedure Maybe if there were some repercussions later. Oh, I mean, you just you just spoke to the the climax of Jaws, and yeah, by then you accept everything. Mm. But no, but I mean, I'm talking about like again the repercussions of the story, or maybe have, having it introduce a complication later because following this police strike, Clarence Boddicker and his um, minions run wild, mm-hmm. and their explicit mission is to take out RoboCop. Exactly, because um, now he has because now he has evidence against uh, Dick Jones, this big corporate overlord. Um, which, by the way, another maybe a little touch I didn't like. Um, um, Clarence Boddicker is kind of our muscle, our, our big bad. Our mini boss, yeah, as bo- it were. Yeah, yeah. But he's bald and wears glasses. So. <laughs> I don't think it's the most intimidating figure in the world. No, the but he's got that great voice and he's got that great smarm. That's Look true. at my yeah. face, dick. Yeah. And he does have to fit in because, yeah, between acts 
two and three, we do find that they're in cahoots, and mm-hmm. he has to kind of blend in in a corporate environment. So, <laughs> I guess I, I guess I understand that a little bit. Yeah. But. So, following uh, another great action sequence around the steel mill. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's amazing that I love how you're going through the plot points as if not everyone has seen this movie. <laughs> they, they, it's possible they haven't. <laughs> so following another great action sequence in the in a steel mill where uh, Emil gets doused in to- toxic waste and gets bl- blown apart by a car, liquidated mm-hmm. by a car, <laughs> um, we get a little bit more of the Jesus imagery, and I wanted to. Uh, to basically pick your brain on this i mean mm-hmm. i believe paul verhoven this came during production he's like okay what if i make uh this since this guy's resurrected there's a uh, there's little nods to kind of him being a christ figure but what if we make him an american christ figure where he is that like kind of messianic warrior uh, violent and mm-hmm. imperious like what, what did you think of that um i again i thought it was nice texture i don't know if that was like I, it's subtle enough that I don't think it's overbearing, and you know, it's a it's a blink if you miss it. Honestly, a lot of it, like again, yeah, like true. there's only the, the really only Christ imagery is the fact. Well, yes, he is literally resurrected, but also you mm-hmm. know he 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 his final confrontation with Boddicker is in this little like puddle, so he's like literally walking yeah. across water. I think that's pretty much it, though. Is there any more Jesus imagery in the movie? You think? I well, I don't know. You said there is a moment where he lifts off his hat. Yeah, and it says property of OCP, and maybe you could think like crown of thorns. Maybe. Yeah, um, it's like everything else is kind of a stretch. And yeah, again, this movie is so ubiquitous now, and you know, it's like you know has that classic title. I think nowadays anyone is probably reading too much into it a little bit sometimes because yeah. <laughs> the obvious <laughs> messages are there and they're obvious. So yeah, it's more. I I think the the grander message is more like affirming your identity in a corporate world that obviously wants to atomize you mm-hmm. um, for its own corporate gain. I think that's a stronger message here. Yeah, I think you're right in in that the, the Christ imagery is more like a little touch. Exactly. Um, it's not as like and, blatant as important yeah. as, say, like The Matrix, which literally yeah. is all about that. You know, mm-hmm. here it's just like, oh, did you know, like the writers are probably like, oh, did you notice we're kind of telling yes. a resurrection story? It's like, all right, throw in those little, you know, Easter eggs yeah. I think it, I <laughs> for think our it is. strong Christian fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it is literally that scene where he confronts uh, the final confrontation with Clarence Boddicker. Because as you said, there's an image of walking on water and he does get stabbed like Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's it. Other, other than that, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot to, to go on. And it does it does make a fascinating case, though, for what a, an American, uh, a, um, a Jesus figure in an American context would look like. Um, <laughs> He'd be kicking ass. <laughs> exactly how countercultural he would be, just as he was in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. But anyway... <laughs> Well, I mean, he's all—he's the perfect kind of American Jesus because he starts off working for a corporation, you know. Oh, he's right, and he's—he's yeah. he's upholding the law, the law and yes. order candidate. That's <laughs> the law and order. Yeah, that's yeah, what makes the him the perfect party. Um, you know, is definitely Jesus. the Pharisees in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we we we've reached our climax. He uh, mm-hmm. eventually makes it to the uh, corporate. Op- like that's the other weird thing about. Well, this feels like resolution at this point. Yeah, the exactly. climax feels like the when he finally takes out Clarence Boddicker. The rest of the scene, this literally gets resolved in about two minutes. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he they find the workaround for Directive Four. He has a hidden directive where he can't actually yeah. arrest, even though he hasn't really arrested anybody in the whole yeah. movie. <laughs> he can't arrest any higher level people. Of well, OCP. to be fair, yeah. That, this is this is one little confusing and maybe maybe a plot hole um, oh. if we're going to get into everything wrong with RoboCop um, <laughs> one way in which Clarence Boddicker gets around Alex Murphy killing him mm-hmm. um, because Clarence because Clarence did kill Alex Murphy earlier um, says like he says like you're a cop you have to arrest me instead of kill me and uh, RoboCop does relent 
and now it's like the reverse situation. Um, Dick Jones basically gets exposed. Um, he threatens the old corporate businessman. I think it should have been a different character that we actually cared about um, <laughs> to make it <laughs> uh, to make the make it a little bit more of a dramatic impact. But mm-hmm. the, basically, the workaround is he he literally gets fired on the spot, so he's not an OCP employee, and um, Directive Four doesn't apply, so he shoots him out the window. Exactly. <laughs> and the worst effect of the whole movie, where we see this yeah. elongated dummy fall. <laughs> I, yeah. To be fair, I, some there's recently some behind the scenes video or videos, excuse me, some behind the scenes pictures have surfaced where it is a normal puppet. However, from the wide angle lens, it looks like his arms are about eight feet long. Oh, okay, um, got it. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's a lot of clipping. We should say that the special effects aren't uh, are pretty good. Um, yeah, I like the matte paintings. Like they do make this look like a, a futuristic shitty. Uh, futuristic city um they shot it in dallas which has a kind of unique skyline um mm-hmm. and weird like it's very kitschy 80s um, very concrete but, though very concrete so i, I you know yes, that, that, that fits well but um some of the go motion um, effects <laughs> yeah tip it haven't haven't exactly survived uh, nor has that puppet with the eight foot long arms mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other interesting thing you can say about the ending is the fact that there's one important aspect i think that makes a successful satire which is mm-hmm. The bad guys have to win at the end because uh, why? Why do you have to say? Why do you say that? Because satire is again a dark reflection of our current uh, systems, and they have to be a call to action. So if everything ends up happy at the end, you've kind of failed as a satire. <laughs> I I don't think so. I mean, you could still be satirical and have a happy ending. I, uh, no, I think well, I think it. And, yeah, I think it has to be a bittersweet ending. Okay. And what I think makes this ending perfect is the fact that, yes, RoboCop's reclaimed a piece of humanity, but OCP is still in business. Delta City is still mm-hmm. going to be built. The power structures yeah. are still in place. So I do think that also is a nice touch to the end of the movie. You know, like everyone kind of like straighten their ties, <laughs> their ties, and it's like everything's yeah. back to business. Like, again, it was just <laughs> another glitch. <laughs> another person yeah. got blown away through this office. <laughs> Which is so weird. It's like this office, this corporate office, gets like destroyed three times throughout the movie, and they just uh, yeah. keep rebuilding it. <laughs> I do like the touch that in the final scene there are two empty seats. Um, one for <laughs> Kenny, who got blown away by the N two O nine in one of the early scenes, mm-hmm. and the other for Bob Morton, um, <laughs> who again a, a pretty unsavory guy, but at least uh, defended the idea of a RoboCop. So exactly, I think that would have yeah maybe if he was. A little bit more likable because I think in the script phases he was going to be um, a completely you know valueless uh, board member, and it's not until they cast Miguel Ferrar, mm-hmm. the venerable character actor, the late great M- Miguel Ferrar, um, that they made him just a tad bit more likable. I mean, he still snorts cocaine and, and um, <laughs> orders prostitutes, and um, again is solely interested in um, rising the corporate ladder. But you know, still. I mean, he has love in his heart. He hugs Robocop and says, "I love this fucking guy." <laughs> That's true. He does sexually assault a scientist. Like no, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, boys yeah, will be boys. Wouldn't fly in the era of Me Too, huh? <laughs> boys will be boys. <laughs> yeah, you know how it is. That could be your son, who's accused <laughs> of sexually assaulting someone. Someone that could, yes. Drink. How about yeah? How about this, moms? That could be your son who gets blown <laughs> who gets blown up by corporate interests. So. Greg, Brett Kavanaugh. So join, the, join the Democrat Socialists of America. Greg, Brett Kavanaugh almost had his life ruined. Instead, now he's just a Supreme Justice. <laughs> yeah. What was his first name again? Brad? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Check out the big brain on Brad. Now, we will walk to the roof very calmly. I will board the chopper with my hostage. Anybody tries to stop me? 
old geezer gets it. Dick, you're fired! Thank you. <laughs> Nice shooting, son. What's your name? Murphy. But yes, RoboCop. I don't think we needed to oversell it. <laughs> Everyone knows it how brilliant slaps. this movie is. It's awesome. Yes, it I'm, kicks I'm ass. Sad. I'm sad I missed it until now. John, this is this was our first exposure to the to the film. I wanted to say this was not my first exposure to the RoboCop franchise, though. No, because we we I think for only movie we'd seen of this franchise the first time was RoboCop three. And I think the yes. only reason we could get away with that one is that one's rated PG-13. <laughs> yeah, and but there was a ninja in it. Well, yeah, there's um, two cyborg ninjas, and he has a jetpack. So, yeah. by those standards, I think that one's the superior movie, though. Now, I remember actually watching it when I was sick. Um, mm. That's that. So that's my that's my exposure to it, uh, feeling like I had 50, uh, 50 tons on my chest um, <laughs> trying to recover from this cold and uh, barely remembering a thing about it. Um, okay. Except RoboCop never takes off his helmet because they couldn't get uh, they couldn't get uh, what's his face Peter uh, Weller. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> they couldn't get Peter Weller back. So. <laughs> well, so why would Peter Weller want to do this a third time? Like he's wearing like a fifty pound suit that needs to be well, air conditioned. He would. <laughs> yeah. Well, he would, but he was going to do naked lunch. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So it was a scheduling conflict. It's not like he didn't want to. I guess that's true. Peter Weller is a consummate <laughs> professional. The world does not appreciate Peter Weller enough. No. And he would have gotten no chance to wear a jetpack. So <laughs> why, would, why wouldn't you take that job? What, what is Peter Weller doing now? Uh, I don't know. Probably academia. Oh, you think so? You think he's like, yeah. where's his master class? He, should, he would be perfect for a master class. Yeah. I, I'll bet he, he'll get cast in Star Trek Discovery. He's been in like eight different iterations of Star <laughs> Trek. So. <laughs> if he does feel like acting again. The world is not good enough for Peter Weller. Well, that's, and that's a message to end on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> no, we need, to, we, we need to move on to our signature segment, Spotlight Tonight. Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Gonna go out and get food. Greg, uh, you you sounded like you had something uh, William Goldman related. So do you do you want to do you want to start? Absolutely. Yes, we want to celebrate the life of the late great William Goldman, mm-hmm. who just passed away this this last week. So um, I wanted to elevate two of his, not just his movies, um, which are great and innumerable. He's written for those who don't know, he's a screenwriter and novelist. He wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, for which he won an Oscar. Uh, Marathon Man, uh, The Princess Bride, based on his book. Um, <laughs> But, John, I want to talk about, in particular, two memoirs that he wrote. Okay. Uh, one in 1980 called Adventures in the Screen Trade, and another one in, I believe, 2005 called Which Lie Did I Tell? <laughs> that was not him telling the lie. That was a that was a studio executive, I believe. Oh, okay, got uh, it. Who, whom he was quoting. Yeah, I think that's the other, that's the greatest legacy of uh, William Goldman is the fact that he kind of tried his best to peel away the artifice and just the level yeah. of, you know, intellectually stupidity that exists in <laughs> <Yeah>. Hollywood. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say stupidity. Um, I I'd say naivete oh, okay. a little bit. because um, he's best known. He's uh, for those that know William Goldman, he's perhaps best known for quoting a phrase that I 
think works not just for not just for the film industry, but also all of corporate America. And that's nobody knows anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> We're all here by like blind luck, and um, literally anything could happen. Where you're either promoted or fired. Um, basically, the idea, especially in the world of movies, where nobody knows what's going to be a hit or what's going to connect with audiences and what won't. And that's what these memoirs kind of trace. He he does it basically by project and what movies kind of come to fruition, including some movies that don't. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's that's what's kind of fascinating about them. Um, not just kind of the corporate kind of culture behind them and why and the collaborate the creative collaborations that he had, but also in a little bit of revision, wondering why things didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I remember one movie in particular, his him writing a movie called The Great Waldo Pepper, um, <laughs> which is obviously not Fonzie remember today. You probably never heard of it. No, I have not. <laughs> the title seems ironic. Great Waldo Pepper. Yeah. Mm, pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not so well, exactly. great after all. Yeah. <laughs> well, he had a top flight cast, including uh, Robert Redford and Susan Sarandon, and I think Robert Duvall, too. Mm. And he's like, well, and it's a nostalgic picture. It's about a wing walker <laughs> and um, kind of stunt flyer. So, like, well, why why didn't this movie work? And um, he kind of goes by beat by beat by the story. And, like, well, that's when we kind of lost the audience, and that's why it didn't connect with with people. So um, it's great that he can also – he also has this uh, this vision of himself. He's not aggrandizing in any way. Um mm. <laughs> He's he's just as cynical about himself and his work as he is um, about the studio executives and actors and again why things don't quite work. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a great portrait into movie making as well as the studio system and I think the uh, broader philosophical points in general about how we don't know anything and uh, <laughs> kind of expose our prejudices and we're all just here by blind luck. So okay. <laughs> so they're two great books, uh, pretty quick reads too. So mm-hmm. enjoy them on a beach somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was great, great recommendation, Greg. <laughs> Idiot. No, I think it's fine. I mean, I was, I was listening to NPR uh, yesterday, and you know, they had a little remembrance of him. And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I, the other interesting thing about him is he had ambivalent feelings about being a screenwriter because he even questioned whether movies could really be capital A art, like high art, because again, <laughs> the number of compromises and just how much you have to do, how many personalities are involved in the movie making process. Is there really any authority? Uh, author intent anymore like you yeah. know he you know i wrote the story about a hand and this person who had a hand and a hand and then you know producer comes to me and is like can we make it a foot <laughs> you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great those little illustrations as well. exactly yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, so he was really committed to the written word, but also story, and that's what The Princess Bride is really about. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid always, like, interjecting and basically t- turning the fairy tale, like, kind of on its head. So. And questioning, like, the cliches and stuff like that, so. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he was brilliant at, too, so. No, oh, he will be missed. So, rip it, rip in peace, yeah, William <laughs> Goldman. <laughs> he left us too soon. <laughs> He had so I'm many sorry. more I'm good years. I, I know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be flippant. I I mean, our hearts go out to the Goldman family. Well, it's okay. It'll trans. He has enriched our lives. It'll transition to my very glib and simple spotlight. <laughs> okay. Normally, is this a Twitter feed? No, sadly not. <laughs> a Tumblr, a Tumblr blog. No, sadly, it is another podcast recommendation. And this is probably the worst one because this is actually movie adjacent, which I don't try to yeah. recommend movie podcasts, but I have to in this one because it is a new podcast by the great Matt McCarthy. Greg, are you familiar with Matt McCarthy? 
No. Oh, see, that's the problem. Matt McCarthy, he's been working in the industry for years. He's just an, a yeah. hidden gem, just a brilliant comedic actor. He's worked with um, Pete Holmes a lot. He frequently collaborated with uh, College Humor. You've seen him in like a million commercials. Uh, I guess he's All most right. known for uh, the We Watch Wrestling podcast. He's a big wrestling aficionado, and he actually used to oh, write great. for WWE. But he's an extremely funny guy. Uh-huh. Just an extremely talented comedian. And he has a new podcast called The Matt McCarthy Podcast. Very originally named. Nice, yeah. <laughs> well, clearly, clearly he's got a fan base on it. I mean, yeah. he's using his name to attract new listeners. So. Yeah, exactly. Because it's funny because it's really not about Matt McCarthy. The thesis and the objective of the podcast is to justify his DVD collection. <laughs> okay. So uh, he has no guests. It's just him. And what he will do is he will randomly pick out a DVD of his collection, one he probably has never even watched. Okay. And watch it. John, I've, I'm going to pause you here. This sounds insufferable. You've really got to turn okay. it around here. All right. <laughs> You're losing me. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. It's a very acquired taste. I will not lie. Okay. <laughs> so what he does is he, he picks a DVD off his shelf, and he basically gives a running commentary of it. Not a live commentary. He'll pause it, be like, all right, we're 22 minutes in, and this just happened. Whoa, and, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. 22 minutes he'll be talking about this? No, no, no. He said, like, he'll give you a time marker on where he is in the movie. He'll pause the got movie. It. Oh, I see. And then okay. talk about it, you know. So and, he'll be watching the movie. Exactly. He'll be oh, watching the he'll movie. He'll be watching the DVD. Got yes, it. exactly. All right. It's a very it's a very low-key podcast. I think it would actually be very good if you were looking for a sleep aid, which is fine. <laughs> but it's very funny, okay. and it's very intimate, and I like it. I think it's very, like, and that's the great thing about Matt McCarthy. He's just, you know, it's just he's just doing it for fun and you know it's like it's personal to him and it's really i think it's really it's it's unique it's a unique podcast so i would check it out okay um that's great so uh why don't you work on that um leave your card with my secretary and uh we'll get back to you on that you know what why do do i have to justify it to you i'm justifying it to the wider audience okay well john give give us an example okay so how does this so he finds a dvd in his collection Mm mm-hmm like let's say, I mean, are they art house pictures? Are they more like mainstream movies? Like what what are they in general? They're usually what are the episodes they're on? usually like you know five dollar bin DVDs. Okay. Yeah. So for instance, the uh, his first episode was <laughs> sorry, I have to look up the title, The Executioners <laughs> from Shaolin, and a seventies like kung fu movie. It sounds like it. Okay. Yeah, and basically, you know, he's he's going through, he's watching it, he has to like pause and talk about the ridiculous thing he just experienced, or you know, maybe he'll take time to like pause and be like, all right, the structure of this movie is quite terrible, <laughs> unsurprisingly, and right. you know, he just gives a running commentary, and it's nice and it's pleasant and it's funny. He makes it funny. Okay. Yeah. So there's film criticism involved too. I a, a certain level. I wouldn't call it a, right. a high level of sophisticated film criticism, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why do I have to justify this to you? Why are you Why are you giving me grief? Because I'm I'm the audience surrogate here. I'm the one that can fight back against this. What do you What do you expect your listeners to just blithely follow everything you say? Come it's on. It's a recommendation. You don't have to accept it. I just didn't expect right. you to be so defensive. Like, hold on a second. I well, sorry. I mean, well, because I I can't blithely sit by and just like the oh here's a, here's a podcast. A uh, our competition is what you're saying. Oh, okay. So that's why you're defensive. Got it. Got yes. It. We are the only movie podcast ever. So. <laughs> we should be the only. And game we're obviously in town. getting exactly, and we're obviously getting to the political arena, which is so hot right now. Um, <laughs> or the next Pod Save America. Look I, forward exactly, to our HBO yes. show. <laughs> yes, and we're also hiring uh, people who spread anti-Semitic hate on the, <laughs> online. Um, it's another great news peg. Um, 
Greg. So yes, we need that dosh. We need that dough, John. No, Conn. Greg. You know, in this in these hyper partisan times, okay, it's mm-hmm. just nice to sit down and listen to Matt McCarthy opine for an hour. Okay, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Right. Okay, an hour. Ugh. He's a man of the people. All right. I'm not. I'm not recommending <laughs> yeah, like. So a, are we? I'm not recommending like a Malcolm Gladwell related thing. Okay, he's just an average fun guy. All right. <laughs> With a great big bushy beard. Yeah. Oh, really? That's a surprise. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> a guy who loves wrestling and has an inordinate amount of DVDs. You would love Matt. <laughs> and probably lives in New York City. You has a giant love beard. Matt McCarthy, okay? You just don't remember, okay? You've seen yeah. him before. All right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. We did watch a lot of college humor back in the day. Exactly. Is it still with us, or what? Uh, I assume it's... so. I haven't checked in in years, but I mean. All right. Everyone who's like was part of those Halcyon days is still working, so good for them. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. you got Adam ruins everything and stuff like that. So, yeah. so you gotta check out the college humor, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been in years, but you know there was they had a great archive. Yeah, sure. Remember Power Thirst? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, John, John, don't be careful. It could be like the the new bar stool or something uh, like that. No, a, I don't think so. Of, no, they were always shuds and scum. <laughs> no, 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 no. They were they they they've become quite woke. In the intervening yeah. years, so <laughs> okay. I I, I right. trust them to be, to be a decent content mill now. Let's okay. hope. Let's right. hope. Yeah. In the early it's days, I think it was like a spinoff of like something awful, but nowadays, you yeah. Know. <laughs> Original mm-hmm. video content pivoting to video. Yep. Speaking of content mills, Sean. Oh boy. We provide some of the best on the internet via our YouTube channel or YouTube via our social <laughs> media channels. Should we start a YouTube page, Greg? I think we should. Uh, no, that's work. <laughs> that's work. <laughs> this is enough work for us. Exactly. So why don't you check out our Facebook page? Mm-hmm. And you can follow us on Twitter for all our latest yes. news and updates. And granted, this isn't social media, but we would like to hear from you. Exactly. So if you have any uh, questions or comments, reach out to us directly at aspiringsnobs at gmail.com. Or maybe you have some recommendations for us. Again, th- we completely whiffed on <laughs> RoboCop until now. <laughs> um, a movie that's effing great. So, mm-hmm. And once you're all done with that, why don't mm-hmm. you go to your podcast service of choice, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever, and raise yeah. five stars, and that'll help us reach prominence and go viral. Exactly, go viral, and then we'll get those sweet, sweet mattress ads, mm-hmm. um, all those quip ads that you've been begging mm-hmm. for. You know, you hear them on all your other podcasts. Hear them from yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hear us talk about how we built a brand new website <laughs> using Square, <laughs> using unnamed service here. Yeah. <laughs> Insert website building here. Yeah. That's that's how we'll go to YouTube. Um, <laughs> there you go. I built a new website. Anyway. <laughs> this is not helping our case. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Because, John, we don't need corporate overlords. You know what? Forget it. We want people to listen, but we don't want your money. No. Yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, we, and especially, we don't want you to give your money to these unnecessary services that, like, deliver a mattress or, <laughs> you know, give you a website that, uh, won't, that won't get any page views. But that's fine. <laughs> no, this is the ultimate progressive socialist podcast giving it away for free okay Mm -hmm. this is for the need of the people people need us yes Yes. but we won't exploit that need Mm -mm. no we're too good for that we're too good for that and we especially won't be doing it next week because we are taking the next week off yes it is thanksgiving we'll be with our families so Mm -hmm. don't look forward to this is thanksgiving today oh yeah yeah, yeah, if we if we plan this better Yeah, I think I think RoboCop is the perfect Thanksgiving viewing for the family, don't you think? Absolutely. Yep. I, the kids need to see it, especially. I mean, 
again, it rocks. <laughs> it's like when they see Emil get it, like literally liquidated by that car. Yes, I mean, they're gonna love it. Again, and I mean, it was a children's TV show. So. No, of course, it was in the '80s, so obviously it had to have a Saturday morning cartoon and a whole toy line. The merchandising potential from an R-rated property about yeah. you know corporate America taking over the world. It is essentially a superhero story. I guess that's true. Yeah. And, you know, the children need to hear the story of Jesus any way they can. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, Christmas is upon us, so, yeah. <laughs> we should have watched this for Christmas. It would have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> should we tell them? Oh, no, we'll have to pick, yeah, we'll have to pick uh, 8,000 other, one of 8 million other story, uh, Christ allegories. <laughs> <laughs> should we tell them what we're watching two weeks from now? Uh, no, I want to let him wait. All right, let him let him be surprised. Let him be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> and also not well, and not, actually, well, I mean, not to just be surprised. I mean, we're going to be watching new movies, so oh, of course, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be another rest and relaxation after a week off. So yeah, exactly. um, yeah if you were looking forward to hearing two idiots yam Ron about a movie they probably should have seen by now, um, <laughs> tough luck. Yes, we're back. We're back on our. We're not back on our BS yet. Mm-hmm. But thank you everybody for listening. And until next time, stay out of trouble, creep. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.